We have another great show for you today. We're talking to Sam Julian. Uh, we're talking about DevRel and his work at Auth0. Um, it's going to be a great show. Hope you guys enjoy it. Um, as always, if you'd like to support the show, please visit us at techjunior.dev. Um, sign up for the newsletter. Um, we have a Patreon and a store where you can buy some swag. You can tweet the show at Tech Junior Podcast. Um, please leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you can get the show. Uh, any little bit you can do does help. Uh, thanks again, and uh, let's get into it. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Work Junior. I am a engineer, a, a Node developer, a JavaScript person. Have with me as always, Eddie. <laughs> You're changing your uh, intros now. <laughs> um, yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm still a front end developer. Why do you say it like that? <laughs> it's, it's it's front end. It's happy. It's CSS. It's you know. Own Yay. it. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I, anyways, I'll just leave that. Uh, so yeah, who do we got today? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. this is a, a part two episode. So we're talking to Sam Julian, uh, dev advocate or avocado, depending how snarky you are, uh, for Auth0. So Sam, welcome back. Hey, thanks, guys. Happy to be back. Thanks cool. So uh, last time we talked, last time we talked about, uh, what was it? Dev advocacy. We talked a little bit about Angular, um, about authentication. Auth, yeah, mostly Auth stuff for, especially for junior de devs and stuff like that. Yes. So go back and listen to that episode uh, if you're interested in all of those topics. Uh, but today we're going to talk about some different stuff. So uh, before we started recording, we were uh, <laughs> we're going through a lot of B-roll, uh, but we were talking about being a dev advocate and kind of what that entails and kind of the industry standard, right? Yeah. So um, I came out and said, it's my impression that dev advocates are kind of divorced from the actual engineering teams. And it feels kind of dirty to even say that, like, <laughs> like you guys don't do any work or, or something. But uh, dev advocacy, people think it's like this magical unicorn job, myself included. Um, but the reality of it is there's a lot of travel involved, um, which I'm sure is tough nowadays. Um, there's a lot of uh, writing blog posts and doing videos and, you know, jumping on Twitter and trying to get followers and stuff and um, talking to developers, kind of gathering data. But then like, where does that translate to the d the development team building the product that you're being an advocate for? So, um, yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of laying it all out there, but Sam, <laughs> how, how do you feel about that? Like, am yeah. I, am I on, well, on point or? Yeah, I think you're painting a general picture there. Like, so basically it, it, it ends up developer relations sort of has two broad categories or, or like purposes. And the first one is, uh, what sometimes is called like developer evangelism or, or something like that, which is basically, it's basically awareness, marketing, um, training people on the product, that kind of thing through, through giving conference talks or, uh, just being like a good member of whatever tech community you're part of and just sort of build awareness of the product. So that's sort of like one side of it. And that's a lot of traveling to conferences or speaking at meetups or running workshops or writing blog posts, all that kind of stuff. And then the, the second big umbrella is the developer advocacy side, which is taking the 
feedback that you get from developers on the way they use the product and taking that back to the engineering teams, the docs teams, like any number of other places in the company that could use that data to make things better. And like um, our company only, I mean, I would say most companies only hire, you know, engineers, developers in this position so that it's not marketing people who are trying to gather information and give product feedback. It's actual developers, engineers who can empathize with the user and want to make it better for them. So does that, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Uh, it, I kind of picture it as like, there's a two way street yeah. Um, where you're, you're pushing this message out of like, use our product. It's so great. Uh, here's all the things they can do. Here's how to use it. And then the, the other direction is here's what people like about it. Here's what people hate about it. Here's the yeah. bugs that people run into and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah exa are, exactly. I was going to ask, how are you collecting that data? So this is an interesting ongoing like issue in, in developer relations is like, how do you gather and process that data? And that's actually a project I've been working on at Auth0. I sort of picked it up picked it up where my my last boss left off and so right now it's it's like very informal we're just like adding things to to a spreadsheet and then like having meetings with different departments just to like kind of run down the highlights um, because different teams are going to care about different types of feedback you know like the, the SDK team will get feedback on something and uh, the other on the other hand like the the dashboard team, might get a different piece of feedback, you know, so depending on the surface area of the product, there might be a lot of different, both like engineering and non-engineering teams that care about that stuff. So we're planning on like kind of building more of an official internal tool to help with that. Um, there might even, I don't even know if you would think this would be a great SaaS opportunity, <laughs> somebody to build like <laughs> developer relations, developer advocacy software. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's what we're doing now. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's basically a like suggestion box kind of situation where it's like you just need people to, to give you data and like the, the aggregator could be Google Forms, you know, or whatever. It could be um, literally putting a box at the booth uh, if you go to a conference or something. Right. And um, it just it's very informal, right? Like people talk to you on Twitter or you catch a comment here or there. People come up to you at a conference and say like, oh, yeah, I love Auth0. You know, I use it for X, Y or Z, but it also kind of sucks for this. And so, I mean. Right now, you said you're, you're just kind of throwing all that stuff in a Google sheet or a spreadsheet or something. Yeah, I also failed to mention that we have this we have a really awesome forum community forum. It's like, like a discourse. And so that is like a a huge primary source of data um, where people it's sort of, it's sort of like our first level of support basically. So we get a lot of people that post, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm like working through this issue on this framework. How do I do this? Or, Hey, I ran into this. I can't tell if it's a bug or not. Like, so we have, we have a team that's dedicated to that forum. And then we have like that team reports out to other uh, teams as well. And so, in DevRel, we take we take a lot of advantage of that forum and like um, either point people to it and chime in on it, or 
use that as a as a source to monitor for the for the sort of like general trends and things like that. Yeah, I'm a I'm not a huge fan of the discourse thing only because it like it's awesome because it's searchable, right? It's it's like an old school yeah. bulletin board, but at the same time like it lacks that uh immediacy maybe is the word of like Slack or something. Um, mm-hmm. but again, like Slack, not searchable, right? Everything is kind of, unless you're paying like God knows what for a, a, a paid Slack yeah. instance, but, um, the messages only last for so long. Right. So, um, kind of two sides to the coin there. Uh, personally, like I, it's hard to build a community on a, on a forum. It feels just because there's, you know, there's like Twitch nowadays, there's, you know, different chat apps like Slack or discord or, or that sort of thing. Um, everybody's doing video calls, so it feels very, I don't know, impersonal, I guess, maybe to, to use mm-hmm. a bulletin board like that. Uh, ha- what do you think about that? Well, it definitely takes a deliberate effort to build community. Um, there's different things you can do. And so like the team that runs the community forum, they, they, this is like a thing that they spend all of their time thinking about. <laughs> and so they, uh, they do various things to keep the community engaged and like encourage people to participate and um, things like that. And it's actually surprising. Like I think one thing that's, I I think maybe unique about auth zero is like, because it's a security and identity product, some people really geek out over it. And so we actually like the forum is very active and it's not just auth zero employees, because I think that like, if a developer is into this stuff, then they like really go deep. And then so they start like getting into answering questions because it's a very specialized subject. Um, so it's actually, it's actually pretty cool to see because there's, if you start to incentivize like the participation as far as like, I don't know if we have like badges and you know, all those things that discourse does, um, people like really get into it, like really get into the like leaderboard concept and, answering questions and that kind of thing. So it seems to be going super well for the Auth0 community forum. Do you see people kind of like drop in a lot and just ask a question and then kind of bail? Or are there people that just kind of like they're, you know, in that community, I guess, and the discussion kind of branches out beyond like troubleshooting? Well, I mean, I would I would think like any forum would have sort of that 80-20 bell curve of like, a really active core group and then the people who sort of drop in and out for asking a question, like that seems pretty normal. Um, as far as like conversation, like outside of like auth zero specifically, I, I don't actually think there's a lot of that. I think it's mostly things related to, you know, using the product or beta programs or frequently asked questions or I mean there's there's a lot I mean there's sort of a there's a broader open source section of the forum and there's like a, a broader identity section of the forum but um I think they keep it pretty like professional you know <laughs> right <laughs> yeah not like not like super water cooler talk you know it's it's not really that kind of forum gotcha so um, going back to kind of the dev advocate role and um, kind of broader strokes for the industry, uh, do you feel like it's it's more of a two-way street kind of thing where you're interfacing with, you know, the, I guess, the developers and the customers of the, the product and then talking to the team? 
or do you think like generally those types of roles tend to lean one way or the other? So I think it really depends on the company and it also depends a lot on how things are structured and who is kind of in charge as far as like there's an ongoing there's sort of an ongoing debate about whether devrel should be under product or whether it should be under marketing or whether it should whether it should be un, under engineering um and so that can kind of influence wh- where it tends to lean uh it also depends on the philosophy of the people running it so some some people feel very strongly that developer relations is more of a marketing thing and should be tied directly to sales and like leads generated and that kind of thing. And then there are other people who feel really strongly that it's an engineering job and should only be about product or uh, developer advocacy and feedback. Uh, I think at Auth0, we've we've been attempting to find a middle way of we're under the marketing department, but we've been run by engineers. Like Auth0 is a very developer-centric company. It was like created by developers and run by developers. And so even though we're under the marketing department, we're still like walking this line of like, we were not directly tied to revenue or sales or things like that. Like we're explicitly not, you know, that's like not our purpose. Our purpose is to help the community, teach them about Auth0 and identity stuff and be, you know, generally friendly and helpful (laughs) and then take that, you know, whatever feedback we get and take it back to the different parts of the company and make it better for the next developer, you know? Right. Right. So, um, I, I know back when we talked to, uh, Jason Langsdorf and he was kind of just starting out at Netlify, he mentioned this concept of the developers on the developer relations team, uh, doing rotations with the engineering team, like, you know, going and working with the API team for two or three months or something, and then going back and doing like DevRel work. So um, is that something that you guys do at Auth0 or are you guys like siloed, like, you know, you're on the DevRel team, you guys do your thing and then engineering does their thing or um, how, how does that work? We, I, uh, I've i talked to Jason and some of the other folks on that team about that. And I really, really like that concept. We have not done that historically, but we're working on new ways of working together. Like, so there's, at Auth0, it's, you know, because it's a SaaS product, it's it's got a really big surface area. There's actually many, many engineering teams that work on Auth0. So right now what we're doing is we're trying to work more with our with with our developer experience. So Netlify calls their DevRel developer experience. We call our SDK team developer experience, like open source and, and SDKs and stuff like that. So we're starting to partner more with them and like uh, co-own some of the open source libraries that Auth0 has written in the past and um, start building out, like start collaborating more on some of the SDK initiatives that they're doing and that kind of thing. Uh, so we're just like starting to formalize that process. We already like, probably of all the engineering teams, we probably have always done the most with the SDK teams just because of like, you know, anybody writing a Angular or React or Vue app would be using an SDK, you know, so like, they're, they're the people we end up talking to a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, I would love to, con- like, f- once we sort of figure that out with the with the DX team, I would love to do that with some of the other engineering teams. I think it'd be awesome. Cool. Um, 
Yeah. So you mentioned uh, some some open source projects that Authzero has done. Like, are there any ones that I would recognize, or like, what are some of those uh, projects? The ones you would probably recognize if you've done any um, like auth stuff in Express or any anything like that, like the JSON Web to- Token Library and the J- JSON Web Keyset Library, J- JWeeks RSA. Both of those are actually owned by Authzero. They're actually under the Authzero org, and so like. It's pretty common if you're like verifying a token in Node, uh, you're probably going to use JSON Web Token. Um, there's also the you know if you're using Passport, that was actually written by someone who uh, was an architect at Auth0 and is is not now, and he still he still owns it. But because he used to work for Auth0, uh, we have like a Passport strategy for Auth0 um that we that we maintain and then we've just had like various other libraries in addition to the the sdks like there's a um an angular jwt library that historically has been pretty popular things like that cool so um how do you feel about i guess like the other folks in the the devrel realm i guess uh you know they're they're super vocal on twitter it's probably the you know, the 20,000 follower people posting memes and stuff. Um, I, I know I've seen a thread from, uh, I'm, I'm going to mess up his name. I think his last name's like Lakatos. Um, and he kind of gave a very realistic, grounded view of dev advocacy, being like a lot of travel, a lot of flying all over the place, um, and, and kind of painted it in a not sunshine and rainbows kind of light. So yeah. Um, how, how do you kind of feel about the the reality of the job and yeah. kind of what those folks are, are doing out there from, you know, talking with them at conferences and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, once you start working in DevRel, you get a lot of people asking you how you, how you got there and telling you that it's their j- dream job. And I totally get that. Like from, from a certain angle, DevRel does look kind of like the dream, right? I mean, it's like you have all this freedom, you can travel, like you build cool tech and give talks at places like that part of it is, I mean, it is really fun. I won't deny that. Um, But it is like, it's a double-edged sword. (laughs) There's, there's, There's pros and cons to it for sure. And like, for example, one thing that is really tough about DevRel is that you're not shipping production code. You're you're writing apps. You're like writing tutorial apps. You're writing content. You're um, you know, you're still you're still writing code, but it's a totally different skill set than when you're working on a product like a, a you know closing tickets on a on a project and like working doing sprint work and that kind of thing, which is um, and that is you know, that's something that I really miss. I really miss doing that. And I have to find other outlets for that, like working on my Gatsby site and like partnering up with the the SDK team and stuff like that. But it's definitely a, it's a different skill set, you know? Um, and then the traveling thing is another part that's like, it's really cool at first. Like travel is really fun at first, but when it's your job, it's, it travel is different. You know, it's a different kind of travel when you're traveling for work and, it's not like you're, you know, always like living the high life when you're doing that. Cause you know, you gotta, there's gotta be an ROI for the company. <laughs> you're not, you're not exactly like 
flying first class and staying in the Ritz Carlton all the time, like because it's gotta it's gotta equate to to benefit to the company. Um, so that that part, you know, being on the road for a long time, especially if you have a family or a, you know house or things like that, like that does wear on you. Um, of course, I'll be I'm gonna be really curious to see how Devrel evolves after everything with the the pandemic and all of that. Like, I think Devrel is going to be slightly different I, I don't i think some things will change after this yeah so um i'll, I'll just dogpile on that a little bit uh i, I went through a i went to view comp in austin texas like right before the pandemic dropped and um it you know it seems glamorous like oh man you got a free ticket to austin texas and you got to stay in a hotel and go to a conference and do sightseeing and you know but it really wasn't like that it, it was like we flew in like the night before and stayed in like an airbnb where there was like three of us in like this loft apartment um and then we went to the conference like literally all day uh and watch talks all day like ate dinner and then went back to the hotel so um and then as soon as the conference was over like the next morning we flew out so right. it wasn't like this big sightseeing like ooh, i got to see um all these museums or, you know, got to, you know, walk the town or, or that sort of thing. Uh, it was like, we walked from the hotel room to the conference because like it was cheaper than getting in, you know, a lift or something. So right. it, it just wasn't as amazing, I guess, as like, you know, you would, you would think from Instagram. So right. I can definitely see, um, like if you're doing that as a, as an employee for the company, like as a dev advocate, like you're probably not bringing your family all the time because what are they going to do while you're in a conference for like three days straight? Right. Um, and then you're not going to stay afterwards because then it's like you're vacationing without your family. So right. it, it, it could seem like it would be very grating at times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I started speaking before I became a, an official dev advocate. And I will definitely tell you that, yeah, the difference between I'm doing, I'm speaking at a conference as a, as a, as a side gig or a hobby to like, you know, build my career a few times a year is very different than when you start doing it for work. Because yeah, when I was, when I started speaking and I was like thrilled to get a free ticket somewhere or whatever, I took days off. I, you know, like I went and sightseed, I brought Amy if I could, you know, all of that, like, and then, you know, you start doing it for work and you're gone you know, half the month sometimes or a couple times a month. And, you know, you, it, you just don't have the, you can't sustain that, that lifestyle. So you have to do things like fly in the night before and leave the night after. And you have to like, you know, you spend your whole day at the conference and it's not like you're just like chilling, watching talks at the conference. Your job is to talk to people and answer questions and, you know, all of that. Like, and so it's, it's a different, I mean, I still, really enjoy it like I, it's still a really fun job there's no denying that but it's it's yeah it's it's not um it's not a perpetual vacation you know <laughs> it's not like traveling right. for work is not the same thing as like just like imagining being on vacation constantly <laughs> you know like uh i like i remember last year i um i did it like a bunch of travel in a april and may is sort of like conference season you know and like I ended, I was in Copenhagen at the end of May and like I barely left my hotel room. I went from 
hotel room to conference to hotel room to conference like like because i was just like so dead <laughs> like i i like <laughs> i think i saw i think i went sightseeing for like three hours one day <laughs> and and like that was it and then like i was like i was a zombie the rest of the time you know like so yeah you know yeah i kind of i kind of a maybe relate it to like Instagram kind of stuff where you see people posting stuff and they're like hashtag van life. Yeah. And they've got like all these really awesome like landscape shots of like them in front of their van or whatever. They're like, man, this is awesome. But like they're living in a van, you know what I mean? So yeah, it, it, at the same time, it can't be that great. Can it? Well, the other thing to consider the other, the other big difference when you go from doing it as a fun side thing to doing it for a job is like, there's a lot more concern over the ROI of the money spent. You know what I mean? Like, so when you're doing it on your own, you might splurge for this or that or sightsee this or do that, you know, like you might upgrade your hotel or whatever, or like bring your family along, all that stuff. Like, cause it's like a, it's an occasional thing and it's not like being tracked for like effectiveness, you know, like, whereas then, then you go and you do it for a company for a job and like, you do have to consider the fact that like there has to be some monet like like gain for investing in that time, you know. So like, yeah, that that definitely changes things. So um, this is kind of a weird question, but is there like an internal metric for that sort of thing, or have you heard of about that from other developer advocates? Like the company has some kind of dollar value for what you're bringing back from like going to a conference or something. So this is another like the the metrics of DevRel is another talk. So there are like entire conferences now about measuring developer relations and that developer is pretty meta. Yeah, it's yeah, it's super meta. Yeah, DevRelCon yeah. and things like that. It's it's a it's a big ongoing thing. And like, there's somebody I really love in this industry named Mary Thangval, who wrote a book on the business value of developer relations, and like she has like chapters about about this kind of thing because this is where the argument between like sales and marketing and engineering really meets because it's like sales is like, Hey, I want, if we're investing in these conferences, like I want to see leads, I want to see conversion, you know, like I want to see that. And then we have to be like, no, 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 like, wait, wait, wait. Like that's not what developer relations is. It's not, it's not sales, you know, it's not marketing or, you know what I mean? Like it's, we're not going to like get, get, get you sales leads from this. That's not what this is. So we have to use other metrics, uh, to define that. So like some of the things we, we find that we have to kind of measure on both a qualitative side and a quantitative side. Um, so we talk about like the number of developers that we've reached through our talks, or we measure like the number, um, number of developers that we've reached through sponsorships or, um, like co-marketing events, things like that. Some, some of it is qualitative in the sense of like building influence or building you know, um, reputation, like the more involved we are in a particular community, the more people will trust us and come to see us as like, uh, not just like weird lurky salespeople, but actually like invested members of the community. You know what I mean? Like that we're not just like there to, uh, wear some logo on our chest, you know? (laughs) So, um, so there's, there's, so I would say we, because it's such a hard thing to measure, we have to do it in a lot of different ways and sort of like triangulate or like, you know, quintupolate the the signal <laughs> to, to get a good idea of how effective we're being. So is that something that you like, 
kind of, it, it's a bizarre thinking about it, but do you sit in like a performance review at the end of the year and you're like, well, I gave this talk and I gave this talk and there were this many attendees and, you know, by my math, I've reached you know, like 30,000 developers or something, or, it, or is it just like, Hey, this week I was on the tech Junior podcast, like high five and, and your <laughs> boss is like, yeah, cool, man. Like, it's, how does that, how does that of, shake it's out? It's sort of both. Like, because it's, because some of it is numbers and some of it is warm fuzzies. Like there's sort of both <laughs> angles that have to be accounted for. So like, yes, we do have, we have a, a, an event tracker that we enter in every activity we do and numbers and then like some sentence or two about, you know, what, what the thing was and why it was good or how many people were reached or, or something like meaningful that came of it. Like, oh, like this person had really good feedback on the spa SDK and we took that to the team and they implemented a bug fix or something like that. Um, so we do get measured on that, but then there is also sort of the bigger picture, broader, like, how's your, you know, like, how's, how's it going? Like, are you, is, are you like generally liked and respected in the community? Like, <laughs> or, you know, like just sort of like, how, are you a decent human? <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Is it, uh, so here, here's another weird question. We could talk DevRel all night, but, um, <laughs> Another angle of this that kind of scares me, I guess, is like being in public and being like a public uh, figure because there's such like outrage that you see on Twitter over stuff. Um, Like, let's say you you say the wrong thing on Twitter and all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, Sam, he, he doesn't like I don't know. He doesn't like apples. He's he's only cares about oranges. And that's like everybody dogpile Sam. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's like Twitter threads and people screenshotting your posts and all kinds of like garbage that just gets, you know, out there and, and it, it snowballs is, is kind of the effect. So I think about like, even me doing this podcast, like, man, what if Eddie and I say something dumb or post like the wrong meme on Twitter or something? And yeah. people were like, those guys on tech junior, they, they, they're garbage, you know? So, um, and then that, like, you know, my boss sees that or something like, oh, he works for oddball, like, oh man, oddball's garbage too. So um, I have to imagine that's only worse being a dev advocate. So like, are you like extra careful about like posting stuff on Twitter or is that like in the back of your mind, like constantly, or how do you feel about that angle of it and kind of that climate as far as like social media? Yeah. I mean, those are all totally valid concerns. I, I try to just, you know, um, try to just be as kind and friendly to everyone as I can and just like help whoever I can whenever I can. Uh, I do, I do tend to use Twitter mostly just for like dev professional stuff um, because I do keep that climate in mind and just keep in mind the fact that like, you know, I do represent a company and have a job and all of that stuff. And um, so I just, you know, I can't, I can't stress too much about it. I just have to kind of be myself and be as friendly and helpful as I can. And, um, you know, that's all I can really do about it. And I just try to not, not do dumb things as most as I, as best I can, you know? <laughs> yeah. It seems like, uh, like, a keeping an eye over your shoulder kind of thing. Um, where I mean, like for instance, the, the pandemic thing, there's all kinds of garbage flying around on social media, you know, lately, I feel like half the country is wearing tinfoil on their heads. 
uh, because the 5G <laughs> is going to get them. So like to me, oh like God. I see that stuff and I'm like, I really want to write swear words on social media at this person. <laughs> and um, I, I don't, you know, most of the time I'm just like, Ugh, like unfollow or just kind of scroll past it or whatever. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's human to, to want to engage in that kind of stuff. And yeah. it, it feels like it would be really tough to have a public, um, like professional profile. Like it would, it would take some of the, I don't know, some of the like humanity out of the, the, the role, I guess. Like I have to be this, you know, pleasing to everyone, like developer only robot that only only talks about like the merits of you know, <laughs> no jazz or something you know what i mean like yeah that, that's not people people care about more stuff than code you know yeah so um and and yeah. especially developers on twitter are like super passionate about how code interfaces with with people so um it just seems like it, it's a kind of a, a minefield at, as much as like an awesome thing People, I'm sure, look at it and they're like, oh, man, Sam, he's got thousands of Twitter followers. Like, that's awesome. He gets to fly around the world. But at the same time, there's, you know, not all it's not all glory, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it is it is tough. One thing that's hard for me, just 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 being real is like, I honestly am not very good at the like personal brand kind of thing, like building like some people are just like personalities, you know what I mean? Like that. And they love that. They, they, they're good at being the center of attention and they have like a personality that people just like eat up, like eat for breakfast. They just love it. And th that stuff makes me really uncomfortable. Like I'm, I'm a really Same introverted here. person. <laughs> like I'm really introverted. So, I, and I'm also like not comfortable being the center of attention, which I know sounds ridiculous coming from somebody in DevRel. But the reason I got into DevRel was because I like teaching, not because I like, being in front of a crowd and so i'm like really comfortable making screencasts and like talking to people i'm really good at writing so i like to write emails and things like that but i definitely struggle with like the public side of it just because like i'm not interested in talking about myself like i just don't like i don't I, it's just not like a subject that i do a lot and i think that makes me come across on twitter as like one dimensional or or like boring or only a developer but like I actually do have a lot of other hobbies and things like that. It's just that like, I don't know how good of an idea it is to talk about that publicly. And I also like, just don't like, I'm more interested in helping other people be successful than I am in like building some sort of cult around myself, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. I can definitely identify with that. Like I've got my own anxiety about speaking in public and being the center of attention. Like Eddie, will tell you whenever we do like a meetup, uh, I jump up front of the crowd and just like, Hey, thanks for coming. Um, we have a podcast, maybe listen to it. Uh, here's Eddie. He's giving a talk. Uh, here we go. And then yeah. like, don't say anything else. <laughs> so, um, it, it's super uncomfortable to, to kind of do that stuff. And then like on Twitter, um, you know, I, I post like once a week that the podcast is going out and, you know, people listen to it or they don't listen to it. Uh, we get in general, like really good feedback uh, from it. People enjoy it. They seem to get something out of it. Yeah. Um, but I'm not like trying to make all this money off of it or like generate 30,000 followers or something like, yeah, that's not the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> the goal is, is to help people and kind of like get that warm, like you said, warm and fuzzies, uh, for, for helping people. And, you know, 
as a bonus, like it looks good if you apply to a, a company at some point, like, Hey, I do a sure. podcast that helps people. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm into it. It's, it's proof positive that I actually care about development. Yeah. But yeah. Outside of that, like, it's not, we, we don't, I, I don't know, Eddie, how do you feel about it? Do you do it to, to become world's most popular angular developer? Absolutely. It's, is it working? <laughs> is it working? Yeah. Is, it, is it working yet? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I have the same problem as far as personal branding goes. I'm horrible at um, posting on Twitter and whatever. Um, I should do more of that just for the show's sake. But um, just personal branding, not not great at it at all. Lee's yeah, we're our, we're our own better worst at, marketing team. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Lee posts I, I a lot more than I do. Yeah. And, and like, I'm not even saying, I'm not like saying that having that personality is like a bad thing or that it's like a, uh, like a disingenuine thing. Like, I just think there are some people in the, in the DevRel space that like, they're just really good at that part of it. And like, so they're like, they care a lot. They do care. Like they care. They're, they're putting out great content, but they just also have that kind of personality where they, like the you know like they like building that brand around themselves and they have a personality that that works for and like for me that's just really hard i just can't like (laughs) get over that hump like even if i think i'm talented or or like i'm good at x or y like i'm just so bad at talking about it you know i feel like so (laughs) uncomfortable about it you know (laughs) yeah yeah and it's it's tough because i mean part of the job is to spread the word right so like you have you have to be your own marketing team yeah and that's the hardest part like writing the the blog post is not that bad but like getting people to read the blog post is a totally different problem right and and also i mean that actually ties into something that's relevant to not just devrel but one thing that i've really learned since having a remote job is like you have to be your own biggest cheerleader to your boss and to your team like because i'm used to like i was i was like i grew up taught t- being taught like not to ever talk about myself or like brag about myself or anything like that and so i always relied on bosses or teammates like seeing something good i'm doing and like bringing it up or like telling my boss about it or whatever and oh yeah I, the uh the recognize me senpai uh, mindset yeah kind of i mean not not as desperate as that but just sort of like <laughs> that it was like i sort of had this internal belief that like if i brought it up if i told my boss hey i did this awesome thing then that's like like uh i don't know being a brown nose or something yeah um, but, i have the same yeah. feeling but like i've learned like at a remote job that's just like literally not possible because nobody is watching you know like people know <laughs> what you're doing as far as like you know, you do your daily stand up or whatever, but like, there's just like way too much to divide your attention. And so you have to be the one that's like, Hey, check this out. I had this conversation and it led to a bug getting fixed in the dashboard and like, you know, or Hey, my blog post got a thousand views last week or, you know, like you have to say those things or like, you know, somebody else will (laughs) like somebody else is going to get the credit for it. And like, it feels weird to me, but it's like a a necessary thing to like keep your, you know, keep yourself in business. People, people tend to assume that if you, you know, don't mention stuff that you're not doing a good job, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, what's the word? Um, there's probably a cute saying for it, but basically like if you're not telling somebody about it, like they assume, like if you're not showing that you're working, the assumption is that you're not working. Right. Yeah. So like if Sam never says what he's doing, like we can assume he's doing nothing. Right. And that that's not true, but it feels that way. 
And so like whenever you come out and say like, Hey, I did this and it had this result or it had this effect, um, you know, people are like, yeah, man, cool. But if you say nothing, it's like, Hmm, what does he do all day? You know what I mean? So it, yeah, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like subconscious. Like, I don't think they're necessarily like sitting there, like Sam doesn't do anything, but like, (laughs) I think it's just like a natural human thing of like, Oh, this person isn't very vocal. They must not be like, they're not really contributing. They're just sort of like, you know, they must not do anything <laughs> like exactly. And yeah. yeah, you have, I have, to, I've learned in the, like, since working for Auth zero on a remote team, like you have to fight that mindset and like be your biggest advocate, you know, what, uh, do you have like strategies for that? Like not only internally among like your colleagues working remotely, but, um, you know, with the community at large, like, do you post on Twitter at a certain time of day or do you like post four times over a week or like, is there any kind of, you know, rules of thumb that makes sense for that sort of thing? Um, I've tried a number of different things. What I'm landing on from a job standpoint is to regularly talk to my boss about stuff that I'm doing, um, like in our one-on-ones. Uh, and and make a note to like about anything successful that's happened and make sure I tell him about it. Um, from like the social media standpoint, I've gotten in this, I've tried to get in this habit ever since I rebuilt my site into Gatsby. Like I've been trying to get in this habit of making an egghead video and a blog post every week and um, posting that to Twitter. And like, I'm finding that the consistency, I've done it now for like, well, the, the blog posts I've only recently started doing, but the, the egghead videos I think I've been doing for like 10 weeks or something. And that's seeming to have a bigger payoff than sort of the random, like random tweeting. Um, but the other thing I've really been focusing on is more like building uh, an email list because it's more of a, like, it's a better way to get to know me, I think. Um, first of all, like Twitter is very fickle with its algorithm and who sees what and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, something that I see a lot of ire about like people, you know, with moderate, you know, the people that have like 40 billion followers, they could post like a picture of somebody else's dog and they're like, this is the best post ever. And it gets 3 billion (laughs) likes, but like somebody with a modest amount and I'll, I'll say modest is like a couple thousand. Um, they'll be like, man, I posted a meme and that got more traction than like this useful tip that I posted. Right. And it's kind of like dejectedly when they, when they say it. So yeah, Twitter is an attention platform and, and it's, it's really not a like good self-marketing platform. It's a, because it's an attention platform. So like it only works as a marketing platform once you kind of break through the, the barrier of it. And like some people are better at that than others. It's an area that because I'm so like cringy about self-promotion like I I'm like sort of slowly gathering a tiny following but like I don't really aggressively work on it because it's so hard for me to care about that (laughs) but like (laughs) building building like a a, an email newsletter and like writing to a specific group of people and like trying to like get to know them better and write for them is a much like like much more my style you know (laughs) like much more my speed so like how big is your email list and what kind of email are you putting out? Um, it's not a, it's not a terribly big list. It's hard. I, right now I'm trying to figure out like, so I, I made this, this NG upgrade course a few years back and, uh, but when I moved my email list to convert kit from MailChimp, like everything sort of merged together. So like I've got a few hundred people, 
but I'm not, sh- I have to like wade through there and figure out like how much of that was from the upgrade course and how much of that wasn't. Um, gotcha. So, so it's not a big, it's not a big list right now, but uh, I'm putting a lot more time and effort into it now that I've got like, I've got the Gatsby site set up. I've got convert kit set up, like um, merged into Gatsby. So there's like a sign up form there and uh, I'm going to, I'm putting a lot more time into like building that content. Cause I think the, I think the return there both like, relationship wise and then as far as like launching other video courses and things like that i think that's going to be a lot better yeah i've got uh one that kind of i started as a like let's see how many emails we can get kind of thing and mainly it's a like i saw somebody put out an an email list uh amberly romo who we we interviewed before she works for oh yeah she's awesome yeah 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 uh she does an email um I see in case you missed it, it's a acronym for that. Yeah. Um, If you want to work that out in your head. Uh, And she did a couple posts and I was like, this is a good idea because it's basically like stuff she learned during the week or thought was awesome. And she just kind of compiles it into a list and shoots it out. I was like, I can do that because that's the whole goal of this whole enterprise. Like the reason we talk to people like you is, um, you know, you've got more experience in dev advocacy, angular, all kinds of stuff that Eddie and I don't have. And so people out there aren't as experienced in it and they probably have a lot of stupid questions like we do. And so we get to ask you a bunch of dumb questions (laughs) and then people don't have to go through that, like hunting down Sam, asking you directly, you know, we can kind of broadcast that information, kind of that classroom rule of like, if you have a question, other people probably have it. So boiling that down to, if I find a resource that I think is kind of neat, um, maybe other people would think that it's neat. And so I, you know, get like a handful of links uh, every week and kind of throw it together. I noticed, um, uh, what's his name? The free co camp guy. Uh, is it Quincy or? Oh yeah. Um, I forget his name off the top of my head, yeah. but if you think of it, just shout it out. Um, <laughs> free code <laughs> camp. Uh, the, the head guy had honcho that creator. Um, he does like a, here's five links that are worth your time that he shoots out like once a week. Quincy Larson. Like, that's, that's, who it that's was. it. Yeah. Quincy Larson. So he, um, he does that and it's very, very short. It's like, here's the five links. Here's what they are at the end. And I'm like, this is probably the least offensive email, but also like still helpful. Um, so I, I kind of married the two formats. Like I'm going to put some cool links together. You know, when we do a podcast or I write a blog post or whatever, um, we'll throw that in there and give it like top billing or whatever, throw it at the top, but then also list all the other cool stuff during the week. And I've been doing it for almost a year and I've gotten like 160 people. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So like the, the metrics and stuff are good comparatively for like, if you talk to a, a marketing person, they say like 10% click rate or something is amazing or yeah, um, like 20% open or something is really good. And I get like 40% open rates. So yeah, that's like, I'm happy about it. You know, every time I talk to people, they're like, yeah, I love the newsletter. And I'm like, why you read my newsletter? <laughs> because you don't ever get that feedback from people. Right. Um, like unless you're soliciting it or, you know, randomly somebody's like, hey, I love the list, you know. Um, so it's it's kind of a difficult thing and it's super slow. Like, yeah, um, you would you, you see people on on Twitter and stuff that are like 40,000, 50,000 followers. And they're like, I did this in a year. And you're like, how? <laughs> Because, you know, like we like the podcast, our Twitter account has like 500 followers and I'm happy with that so far. Like every once in a while, somebody follows. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I don't understand like the meteoric rise and like I don't think that that's the norm. No, like it's something, definitely not uh, the norm. There, there's usually some, something behind it, like controversy or something like that. I mean, it, it's definitely not the norm. It it happens, but it's yeah. I've been I've I, it's funny like yeah I've been on Twitter since I don't know 2006 I don't know when it started like within a year or something of when it started maybe 2008 uh, and I, I I'm at like 4,000 something now uh, and that's been over you know five ten years I don't know what like it's wait when did you start you said 2008 like when did when did when did Twitter start I I I joined man Twitter you're like, like a, a Twitter lifer yeah I'm like a yeah. Twitter lifer I, I I was on Twitter like way way back uh I because I'll think, tell you uh I think it was, I, I think I I think my account's from 2009 and I signed up for it and I was like this is dumb it's literally Facebook statuses the website and like never touched <laughs> it yeah and um and I'll, then West Boss started talking about it and I was like okay, maybe it's worth a shot. And then I discovered like the development community is huge on there. And so yeah. I decided to run with it. Yeah. So it says it was founded in March, 2006 and I joined March, 2008, according to my profile. So all but two years, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, you definitely see people who have like the meteoric rise success and you know, that good for them. I mean, it's good, you know, <laughs> but what's funny yeah. is that like w- one one dedicated email subscriber is worth like a hundred you know like like the, like the metrics of twitter are really different than the metrics of, of email lists you know it's just like a really different format so, yeah so I, the other side to that is i see a lot of uh complaining for lack of a better term from the people that have like the tens of thousands of followers and it's like basically their dms are blowing up all day with like hi And, you know, like you're, you're pretty and like weird, (laughs) like dumb questions and stuff like that. So yeah, like I'm grateful that I don't have to deal with that at the same time, but, um, yeah, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine what some, some, somebody who's got like a hundred thousand followers or more like, I don't even know what that world, that's a different reality tunnel than what I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's like some weird hellscape for me, but, uh, (laughs) um, at the same time, like, it's cool because if you're the hundred thousand subscriber person uh, and you make a course, you can like send out, you know, a tweet and you know, like you're going to get traction on it. Whereas like, you know, if you're on the lower end of the spectrum, um, you know, the same people that are saying like, I posted a helpful tip and nobody said anything. um, It's hard to break through that, that ceiling that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I get that for sure. Cool. So, uh, and we've we've done like an entire episode worth of content and not talked about your your origin story here but uh, <laughs> do you do you feel like you would want to come back for a third time or you just want to power through i mean it's it's whatever whatever you guys think um what do you think eddie i mean do you can come back a third time <laughs> one vote for come back later i don't know how much Sam? we've i don't know how much we've actually let me see what my recording is at well, we yeah we've recorded 52 like fifty two minutes. Fifty two minutes, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. And we haven't gotten into nerd minute yet. Yeah, we, we haven't even talked that. about nerd minute. Yeah, I guess we may we may as well. You know, we'll we'll do another episode. I'm gonna look like <laughs> I'm like a, a a regular or something. Uh, the third chair. It's fine by me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we also never talked about the the fact that we went to the same college within the same time frame. Oh yeah. We yeah. did. We did. Spoiler alert. Uh, whenever we do get to this orange story, uh, <laughs> I went to the university of Florida. 
from 2005 to 2009 and sam you were there 2004 to 2008 so, boom tebow yeah. era tebow era crazy time Good yeah we can, so anyway uh, nerd minute no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no we will we'll we'll do the origin story and the second career uh self-taught developer stuff we'll do that a third time cool so uh yeah now that we've we, we will talk about that first next time yeah 100 <laughs> um yeah so and every show we do nerd minute you were here last month so uh i don't know when these are going to go out uh all all things considered but um what do you got? You're the guest. Anything uh, you've been into lately? Yeah, so it's funny because I remember um, the last time that I was here, I had just started playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, and because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, locked inside all the time, I have finished Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> Although I plan, I actually am gonna, I'm definitely gonna play it another time because you, you basically like pick a different, you, you you can. There's like several different plot lines you can follow in it and so i beat it with one of the plot lines so it's pretty much inevitable i'm going to play it again with one of the other plot lines that's how much i liked it um trying to think i um i <laughs> the other maybe the other thing i'm into right now um there's a show on netflix called midnight gospel that yes <laughs> okay. so this is this is one of those things that like i i hesitate to talk about on something like twitter <laughs> but like I, I'm a big Duncan Trussell fan. I've been a Duncan Trussell fan for like many years. I um, that's the uh, the that's, comedian. Yeah, the guy that has the podcast yeah, that it's yeah. based off of. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been listening to that podcast for many years. He's he he just has this like childlike wonder that I just love. Um, and so, I it thrills me to no end to see him like getting this massive, huge like new following due to this Netflix show that he did with Justin Roiland. Um, it's like a really weird show. It's it's like I texted a friend of mine, the friend of mine who got me into the Duncan Trussell podcast and was like, I think this is the most Duncan Trussell thing to ever exist. And so I can't tell if I like the show because it's like genuinely good or if it's just that like I'm such a fanboy oh. of Duncan Trussell that like I just love it, you know. I watched so one let me episode uh, of this. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, let me elevator pitch this real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Because I didn't there. I had no idea show, what this was about before I saw it. <laughs> yeah so it's it's uh it's done with pendleton ward right i think is his name oh yeah so the wrong guy yeah i yeah, not, justin just Rowland, i think is that's rick is and morty, rick and morty. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's pendleton that new ward show on, on hulu yes that's what i was yes. thinking about so, yeah, yeah, that, yeah i haven't watched that but i watched um, one oh, so go ahead that's your your sneak peek for eddie's and urban it effect. wasn't um it was for next episode but whatever <laughs> go keep going <laughs> uh so Midnight Gospel is a Netflix show. Uh, it's a combination of, you said Duncan Russell? Or Duncan Trussell? Trussell. Yeah. Trussell. Duncan Trussell, who's a comedian um, that does a podcast, and he interviews like people from everything. And it's they talk about literally anything. Um, and it, like you said, he's got like this uh, childlike wonder, I guess is, is a really good way to nail it. Yeah. Um, they, they just dig into whatever topic. So like could be talking about magic could be drugs uh, and psychedelic experiences um, could be life and death and like ruminating on mortality. Uh, but so they, they do this interview <laughs> and it's kind of, um, I forget the word like diegetic or whatever, like the interview is part of the show, like part of the events that are happening, but it's about a, some kind of alien that 
has a futuristic technology that lets them dive into simulated universes. And whenever the character does this, he picks somebody on that planet to interview and they like go through this adventure while he's interviewing the person. So you could almost literally turn off your TV and listen only to the audio of it. And it's pretty much a podcast. Um, But at the same time, like they're going through this adventure in an episode, like uh, the, the first one is he goes to a planet where there's like a zombie apocalypse and he goes and interviews the president like while the apocalypse yeah. is happening, <laughs> but they're talking about like drug use. So they're talking about um, psychedelic experiences and like whether or not drugs are good or bad or whatever. And during the episode, like the president is fighting off zombies yeah. and like the, the white house gets like eaten by a giant 60 foot zombie um, or like hundred foot or whatever. And there's all this stuff is happening while you're trying to listen to, <laughs> to the the philosophical discussion that's happening at the same time. So um, it's very psychedelic. It's done by the Adventure Time folks. Uh, there okay. is like a rainbow of colors on the screen at any given time. Um, all kinds of stuff is happening. So it's it's really, it's very difficult to focus on like the visual and the audio at the same time. Yeah. Because there's like two stories happening. Um, and I, at first I thought like, this is a long elevator pitch, but at first I thought <laughs> that um, I was listening to a pre-recorded podcast and they just did a cartoon over it, but that's not the case. That's like not they what's going it. on. Okay. No, because like you, you can watch an episode and like the characters will react briefly yeah, that's to true. what's actually happening and be like, yeah. Oh shit, yeah. you know, or, or something. And like the president got stabbed by a zombie or bit by a zombie or something. And he like reacts to it and says something or like whenever they're, like the second episode they get put through a meat grinder or something and they, they like get drugged before they get murdered by this meat grinder. And so they uh, like, they tone down their voice and act like they've been sedated. So um, it's, they've taken these guests and re-recorded these interviews and actually matched it up with the animation. So um, it's really bizarre uh, to watch it. Like, so I, I just quickly this isn't scripted then this is just actual people having a conversation i think it is and they're scripted? just throwing some of the stuff in and i think, in it's, and I think while it's, it's going on i think it's like shepherded <laughs> like okay. i think i think my, it's a weird mix of both yeah i yeah. think they might have had some ideas of what was going to happen in the episode and then they like have just a regular conversation around whatever topic and then like I don't know if they like, so I know he, he tweeted out like the interviews used for it, but I didn't click on it and see whether they were old interviews that they like got some extra audio from. Cause sometimes like, for example, in the show, he's called Clancy instead of Duncan. And so like, right. They had to somehow at some point they had to record the, the people calling him Clancy instead of Duncan. But I don't know if that happened during the recording or whether it was like later, like if they recorded the interview some other, you know, years ago or something, you know, cause yeah, that first episode, the the president, the voice sounded like really familiar, and I think it was Doctor Drew. It was. Um, was it? It was. Uh... Yeah, I'll say that the I didn't catch on until the third episode. Okay. <clears throat> where I was like, oh, this is this is like a person from real life he's talking to, and not a character in the show. Yeah. And um, right. I was just so thrown off watching that first episode because I was expecting like an adult version of Adventure Time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it was not that at all. It's a weird thing. Yeah. 
Was somebody looking up who the president was? Or? I was trying to. I can't remember. <laughs> I feel like I saw Dr. Drew's name. Oh, yeah. Drew Pinsky. Is that Dr. Yeah. Drew? Yeah, 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 that's yeah, Dr. Yeah. Drew. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's had like Ram Dass. Like he's a huge Ram Dass fan. And like, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's definitely unique, but it's it, it is out there. Yeah, it's uh, not for everyone, but it is for a select group of people. <laughs> I, I definitely feel like it was intentional that they released it like on 420. Well, it's also oh, did, co- did it's did also they? his birthday, which is just really hilarious. Like, oh, <laughs> like April 20th is, uh, yeah, also Duncan's birthday. So it was a real triple whammy. Yeah. Is he uh, like a big pot smoker or something? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could see that from... Uh watching one episode of that show so. yeah <laughs> he, he's a big like uh yeah like psychedelic dmt yeah. like all, all that stuff yeah yeah i'll throw out there that i'm not that kind of person uh, i still <laughs> enjoyed the uh the episodes um i'm probably yeah, you gonna don't finish have to... it just because it's so out there but... yeah yeah i shouldn't it's not like it's not like stoner culture it's more like uh like yeah timothy leary alex gray like psychedelic kind of stuff you know like that's more his like style but you don't you don't necessarily have to be that way or do that kind of thing to like it it's just that's that's where it's coming from <laughs> right right yeah that's cool i'll give it another shot oh you weren't yeah I, th- I think the uh the first episode like if you don't know if you're coming in cold it's kind of hard to get into it yeah because you're like oh what? yeah yeah i'm sure because you know, you're expecting like a plot but there's like two plots. There's like the conversation, the interview topic, plus like the actual events that are happening in the animation. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like two in one, which is really weird. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. It's also not I I don't think this is a spoiler, but like it also appears to all be isolated episodes in the beginning, and then it actually does become like a continuous story. So that part is also okay. jarring because like in the beginning, you're like, this is so weird. And like every episode seems to have nothing to do with each other and all of that. And like, but as as the season goes on, it actually does like start to come together. Interesting. So, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Um, also, I just want to throw out like the machine that he uses is hilarious. It's like Uh-oh. a futuristic Internet, but like yeah. the futuristic Internet is old school MySpace style stuff. Like, yeah, it's he talks to a person that has like a. uh an ice cream website or something. And it, <laughs> it looks like a GeoCities page, but he's on like a triangular monitor. Yeah. Um, and the, he downloads, uh, like character packs. Cause like this machine that he uses puts him in a different body. Yeah. Um, and he gets like viruses through downloading this character pack or whatever, uh, which I thought was hilarious. Um, and then the actual machine itself, like is half computer, half like, women anatomy kind of thing looks like a vulva <laughs> that he sticks his head in to actually travel to this universe so yeah it's crazy um it's out there for sure and he, he lives on like a, a world that looks like a mobius strip or something crazy yeah yeah it's bonkers going back to uh some more saner stuff uh fire emblem so <laughs> <laughs> um i heard on uh i was actually looking at some like greatest games of game boy advance today uh something kotaku put out um, and they had Fire Emblem on there. Well, no, I take that back. They had somebody in the comments mentioned it, but I guess the original English release of like the first Fire Emblem game was a very straightforward strategy kind of thing. Hmm. And people were saying like they couldn't get into the later series, um, like relationship building simulator 
stuff. So is uh is the one that you've been playing like leans one direction or the other? Or do you enjoy that aspect of it? It's um so this one so this is this is the only Fire Emblem game I've ever played. Um, but it is straight up like JRPG, like uh you know turn based role playing game. Um, similar to, it's like really similar to like the old final fantasy games it's just like a different graphics model you know like it's just like updated for modern times but like it's like turn-based combat and quests and stuff like that which is like cool i i eat that up i love that stuff i grew up playing like chrono trigger and final fantasy and earthbound and games like that so i love that stuff same yeah same I never actually beat Chrono Trigger. I never beat it either. I couldn't beat um, the stupid boss. <laughs> <laughs> I got to the uh, the floating city, mm. and that's where I stopped. I got pretty far. I, I got to like the final three like things you were supposed to do, um, but I could just like I I think I I I I miss I messed something up at some point and didn't get like a really powerful spell or something like that, and I could I don't think I could ever beat Magnus like the the main bad guy. Right. Or wasn't it? Was it Lavos or Magnus? I don't remember. I, don't, I think Magnus either. was like the wizard guy, but I know maybe Lavos was like the actual like main, like final boss. Did you ever, uh, this is kind of an inside joke among some friends, but did you ever play Lost Odyssey? No, I don't know what that is. Okay. It's a Xbox 360 game. Um, it was kind of, cause like JRPGs kind of died off after, uh, uh, kind of showed some decline around like Final Fantasy twelve, I think. Yeah, I think uh, the fi- kind of... I think the Final Fantasy series kind of went off the rails, and so that also caused the genre to tank. <laughs> yeah, uh, so like we didn't see anything come out really, but then like Lost Odyssey came out, and it kind of it had good reviews, but I don't think the sales were that great uh, mm. if I remember correctly. And um, anyway, it's been like you know on my shelf for a while, so I've been meaning to play it, but. Um, I have a friend that hates it. He's just like, why would you spend time playing that garbage? <laughs> but it's like your old school four CD kind of like epic uh, JRPG kind of thing. So um, I'm interested in kind of diving back into that world at some point, but uh, have not had the agency to actually throw it in my Xbox and play it. So mm. I think Last Remnant came out around that time. That was like a square JRPG. Yeah, there's been a lot of like... That's been re-released bad, a couple of times too. <laughs> poorly received. Yeah. Maybe not that great titles. And I, I think Last Remnant was another one of those where it was like some people say that it's like the bee's knees, but then other people are like, why would you play this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did you play that? Did you like it? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I just, I for whatever reason, the other day I, I saw that it had like a re-release or a remaster that was on, maybe I was on the PlayStation store or something that, it was just there. And I just remember seeing like a 360 box uh, a long time ago. Yeah, I think the genre is kind of just floundering lately, trying to find its feet with like, how do you make old school RPG combat fun? Right. And it's, the it's a tall Final order. Fantasy VII Remake seems to be doing pretty well. Got a really good Yeah, yeah but it's like an action RPG. Yeah, that's true. Um, have you played that same? I have not. <clears throat> Me neither. I don't own a uh, PlayStation 4, so holding out for the PC release. <laughs> yeah. There should be. There should be one. Oh, there will be, undoubtedly. Um oh, there was something else I was going to mention. Yeah, Eddie, what do you got? Now that you're floundering to think of something. Uh, <laughs> uh well, I I've been watching um Cells at Work. It's an anime. 
on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's uh, a little weird. If you want to learn anything about the body and blood and like how that stuff works, it's a good anime to watch. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, it's, it's basically like an anime that takes place within a person's body. And uh, these germs come in every now and then and like try to, you know, get the person sick. And then there's a, oh, the show takes place um, or follows a, a white blood cell and a red blood cell. And they become friends. And uh, the white blood cells usually like rescuing the the red blood cell because she gets lost a lot and never really knows what part of the body she's in. Um, as she's like trying to deliver oxygen or whatever to uh, different parts of the body. It's pretty cool. It, But whenever they kill a germ, it's there's blood everywhere. Like the white blood cell, he's all white too. He's, he's drawn in colored white. Uh, so when he kills a germ or whatever, a virus or whatever, he's just drenched in blood. He turns, he's like all red. <laughs> and the white blood cells wow, are the only ones there. that are all white. The red ones have are, look like regular people. They just have a red hat and a red jacket on and jeans. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's really weird. Um, yeah, I watched the first episode and was like, this is a thing. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of like, it was it was good. Like production value was good. It was actually animated, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, action was fine. The characters seemed interesting. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, some weird stuff like viruses don't bleed. Yeah. Yeah. They're bleeding. <clears throat> uh, the platelets are little, little kids and wearing construction outfits. <laughs> interesting. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was cool. I, it's like it, you, they try to teach you some stuff about the body or like what the virus is and what it can do to your body or the germ or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it, it was cool. I watched it with my daughter. It's a little bloody, but you know, whatever. It's all like it's germ blood. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. but well, my kid uh, liked it. Nice. How did you get through the whole thing? Or Yeah, we actually finished it yesterday. Did it end on a cliffhanger? Is there like a season two coming? Or? Uh, yeah, th- there'll be a season two. I nice. think the second to last episode was about the body going into like getting a fever uh, or having a heat stroke, something like that. It was, cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Coming from the medical field, probably not for me, but <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe one day. Um. So that I think that's where we can wrap it up there. The only thing I had was Midnight Gospel, so we already, ah. already drove that into the dirt. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> cool. So, uh, Sam, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, yeah, it was a blast you. having you. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, if people want to uh, interact more, I've just got samjuline.com and then samjuline on Twitter. That's about it. Awesome. So uh, we will have you back for part three of the Sam Julian yeah. podcast. Uh, awesome. Looking forward to it. We can dive into the origin story. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to Tech Junior. Please head over to our website at techjunior.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, please sign up for our newsletter. Um, It goes out once a week with the latest episode and other goodies that we think you guys would like. Um, If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by becoming a Patreon subscriber. Special thanks to all our current patrons. And... 
Uh, we also have a Teespring store with t-shirts and stickers designed by Lee and I. Um, you can find links to both these things at our on our website at techjunior.dev under support. Um, please follow us on Twitter at techjuniorpodcast. Um, you can also follow our personal accounts. Uh, Lee is at Lee Warwick Jr. I'm at Ed Otero. The O's are zeros. Thanks again. See you next time.